Yes, people, people, people. It is that time of week, right? We are coming at you with a brand new Echoes from the Void. And um, yo, as we do, we will hit you with our views, right? Our views on some hot topic news pieces. And we are looking at not one, but two. Apple TV shows, so you do not want to miss this one, people. Sit back and let's go. Okay, people, so, man, like, it's been, um, you know, we've had a few few weeks since the end of the Women's World Cup, right, and all the uh, craziness around... uh, you know, Louis Rubelez and him basically groping, you know what I mean? Groping, uh, yeah, that young player. Now, right, you'd think all of this would be clear how to resolve this situation, you know, but Obviously, it's not right in a in a vote. The <laughs> the football teams were like, nope, we want to keep him on. So the Spanish Football Federation didn't do anything, but said, uh, "Could you please leave?" And he was like, "No." So FIFA were the ones in the end that suspended him. So that happened a few days back. Now, right, you think, oh, you see news, right? So you think, okay, so the sensible thing has been done. Not quite, right? What has been done, and this is a baffling one in the way it's reported, but Jorge Vilda, you know, the, 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 the Spanish women's team coach, Right, who you know oversaw them winning the World Cup, he's been sacked. Right, he's been sacked, which is curious, very you know, I mean, curious in uh, everything because, right, the Spanish Federation. In talking about the whole thing, right, they're, they're putting out these weird messages, you know. So they've said that Vilda is a promoter of the values of respect and sportsmanship in football. Okay, right? Which you're thinking, okay, if you're saying that, why did you sack him then? Right, they also said we value his impeccable personal and sporting conduct, being a key piece in the notable growth of women's football in Spain. Again, a very <laughs> a very weird statement to put out, right? And um, yeah, another one. The RFEF would like to express its gratitude to Jorge Vilda for the services provided for his professionalism 
and dedication during all these years, wishing him the best success in the future. Hmm. Right? It's, uh, it's odd. Because it doesn't sound like you sacked him. Right? So, you know, there's different things, right? The, letting someone go, right? Going, look, we, we're moving in a different direction. You know, your contract's come to an end. So, because his contract, I believe, was coming to an end, right? So, a not renewing a contract isn't necessarily being sacked. You know, because they've hired a replacement, um, Montez Tome. Right, she is the new head coach of the women's foot Spanish football team. So, yeah, because it's very bizarre now, right? People, are, you know, saying that this could be because Vilda is an ally of um, Rubelas, right? So it's just like um, you know, get rid of Vilda. And you can get rid of Rubelas, but it's just like it didn't really seem that Vilda was necessarily the whole stumbling block in not being able to remove Rubelas, you know. And, um, you know, there's reports that Vilda clapped when Rubelas made his speech about not resigning. Now, also in that speech, which I didn't know before, but Rubelas said that he would re-up Vilda's contract. So he may have just been clapping at that part, right? Because I don't know, like, if you just find, this, you know, you know there's been all of this stuff. There was the player revolt the previous year. So finding out your contract is going to get renewed, yeah, I, I mean, you'd be happy about that. Because he then did come out and say that the actions of Rublas were very wrong. But this is all, it's a weird response to the initial situation. Right? It's a very weird response. There's also an, another kind of odd one. Right, so um, the acting um, president of Spanish football, uh, you know, he has put out his own statement, right? Um, so Russia, right? And in it, he's like, um, they eventually they want to give back the spotlight to the women's team after their World Cup victory was overshadowed. But the thing is, it's like it's kind of past, it's gone, right? It, it's now September. So, when are you going to give back the like? No one cares, right? Because coming up. They're starting the qualifications for the European Championship thing. There's a new weird tournament. There's all these weird tournaments. But the qualifications start at the end of September. So it's just like, that's then going to be the conversation. So you, you, you can't really 
you know, put them back in the spotlight. It's all... So that's odd. The men's team on Monday put out a statement condoning the um, behavior of Rubelas. But again, (laughs) this is weeks after the fact, right? It's bizarre. The, the, The way everyone has reacted to this situation is straight up bizarre. It's baffling. It makes no sense. And, you know, in, in one thing they did say, I feel is true. It is tarnishing the reputation of Spanish football, like football in general, men's and women's, right? This is not a good look. So on the 14th of October, Australia is having a voice referendum, right? So this is around um, giving indigenous uh, peoples, right? First Nations and, um, oh, God, what's the term? There's a... Islanders, the um, Tories, straight Islanders, right? A voice. So it will allow a committee to inform government on policies and decisions that affect those groups, right? Which you think that sounds fair, right? That sounds fair. But, uh, you know, with anything political, there are issues, right? So there's a Thomas Mayo who is saying, so he's a member of the Voice Referendum Party, the Yes, the Yes Vote Party. There's a Yes Vote Party and a No Vote Party, obviously, right? He's part of the Yes, and he's saying that there is a lot of um, a lot of hate speech online, right? A lot of hate speech and disinformation online, which to that, right, you gotta go, obviously, <laughs> right? It's not a big fucking surprise that you know, that's going to, it always happens, right? It's a a big thing that was pointed out, right, when um, Elon Musk bought Twitter, that it was rife with bots, right? That these um, troll farms are behind a lot of posts that you see against all manner of political, you know, discussion, right? And any kind of thing that's in the public eye, right? That that you get these bots and troll farms that are trying to see dissent. It's, It's part and parcel with all of this shit. So it's a little bit surprising that these cats didn't take this into consideration. 
Now, obviously, it would be nice to be in a world where this shit doesn't happen, but we know we're not, right? We know what the world is. We know what all of these things are, right? It is, you know, in part of what I do in the day job, right? You have to do SWOT analysis on things, right? So you're looking at the strengths and the weaknesses, the threats and advantages. So someone should have at the beginning gone, you know, a big threat would be disinformation online, right? And there's clear ways to get around this. And there's people, a lot of people are saying that, you know, on all sides that it's this whole situation is not the clearest, right? And, um, you know, there's a, a, a member, an indigenous leader, uh, Marcia Langton, right? She's pointed out that the prime minister hasn't really stated what happens if, you know, the referendum is voted down, right? There, there, there's not a clear path laid out for what happens in either direction, you know, which is, again, it's some foolishness. But, right, the big thing, create content to answer every aspect of what you're doing, right? That's the way you handle this information, right? You make everything you do clear and concise, right? So no one can, you know what I mean, poke holes in. No one can go, oh, well, you don't do this or you're lying about because everything is clear, right? That's what you have to do. Make every single thing clear break down every single point right have videos of you know the, the 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 people involved talking about the minutiae you know you can do cl little clips for social but also have full long form discussions on think places like youtube on your website right because a small little clip, a soundbite, it's nice, but it doesn't give someone the full picture. And with anything political, we know there's reams of paperwork, right? It's not just quick, clear things, right? There's so much. So talk about it, right? Talk about it all. Because once you do that, it makes it extremely difficult for people to say you're doing something completely different, right? Now, I think something that is very baffling about this, why even have a referendum? It's been shown, right, that Australia has apologized to, I think it was in 2020, right? I believe it was 2020. They officially apologized to the indigenous peoples about just all the horrific things that have been done to the First Nations peoples over the years, 
and centuries. And the problem is, like, there was shit happening in the 80s, right? A lot of times when you look at, like, a lot of past, you know, injustices, it's, you know, not in your lifetime, right? Things happened before you were born. I, you know, when you think like Martin and Malcolm were assassinated in the 60s, which is still not that long ago, right? Still not that long ago. But when, I, and, you know, there's been so many atrocities since, right? But, a, the, you know, there's, oh, gosh, you think about redlining, in places like, uh, I think it was like San Francisco and Baltimore, you know, and other places, right? So there's just so many things that happen. But yeah, it, I think the, the Australian government were taking children and babies away from, you know, First Nation women and families and, and, and forcing them into adoption, which is foul. It's horrendous. And so there's been so many things that have been happening to these peoples, these groups, that you just think, put them in the fucking constitution. They're not in the constitution, right? First, like it's in the first nation, right? They were there first. They were there first. So just put them in the constitution. Just put them in. There should be no question. There should be no vote to, I mean, we've been oppressing these people for, for years, for hundreds of years. Should we give them rights? Should we? Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. Let's put it to a, no, just fucking do it. Just do it. That's the thing that baffles me. Now, I know, right? There is so much involved with all of this stuff. I briefly read one article. Well, two, actually two. I briefly read two articles. I, I've not done, uh, you know, intense research into this, but just on an ethical level, you just feel there's certain things that, you know, don't need a vote. There's there are still racist, you know, entities, right? We know racism is not dead, right? I remember when Obama was voted in, uh, like, the amount of times people would say to me, oh, this show is racism is dead. And it's just like, are you on crack? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? This does not show that at all. You know, we know it's, it's still there. So I think it's, it's easy to manipulate things, right? With disinformation, with hacking voting machines, right? With just so, there's so many ways to, you know, jig the system. So I just, I just think, yeah, why even put it to a vote? Give motherfuckers a voice. Right? Give them a voice. They've been oppressed for all these fucking years. You know, do the right thing and just give people a motherfucking voice. 
Well, it's all about disinformation this week, it would seem, right? Because doctors in Scotland are concerned with social media, right? Uh, you know, a Dr. Sinead Cook from the Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Healthcare is worried social media content is influencing people's decisions to use, like, contraceptives, like the pill, the coil, like condoms, just all these different things, right? Which means a record number of people are, um, you know, having abortions, supposedly, right? <sighs> Which, you know, I'm like, with anything like this, you know, it, it's also a case of how is this information being recorded? Because you say it's a record number, but is it really a record number? Or are more people just being honest? Are more people being asked? Right? There's, because, you know, if you're getting sent a, um, a survey, right? A lot of people just ignore surveys, firstly. There's a certain type of person that will fill out a survey. We know that. You're never getting a 100% return on a survey. We know this. Well, you know, a, a, a comms marketing professional knows this, right? An analyst knows this. You know what I mean? Um, so there is that, right? Also, I think... You know, with now, people are maybe feeling more liberated to say they've had an abortion. Right? There's back in the day, people didn't want to, you don't want to put that information out there. Yeah? I want to put that information out there. So, you know, is it now people are a bit more liberated to say it? Who the fuck knows? But I just think to blame social media is like it's one of those crazy things. I, it's one of those crazy... Now, there may be stupid videos, right? You know, I, I, it does not, you know, surprise me that there are these videos, things claiming that, you know, birth control can cause infertility and brain tumors. Right? That doesn't surprise me a lot. You know, it doesn't surprise me at all. You know, like um, saying that birth control is this generation's cigarettes. Right? It ruins bodies. Now, look. There are people that have bad reactions to birth control. Like, there are people that have bad reactions to penicillin, right? Antibiotics. A lot of things, right? I cannot use surgical alcohol, right? But majority of people can, right? They're like, people have bad reactions to things. It's just, you know, it's just what it is. So, yes, 
there's gonna be those videos. There are those dum dums who who believe these things. There's people that believe the world is flat, right? That dinosaurs do, did not exist. There are those people out there. So why are you surprised? And again, the way to counter this is put out correct information. Put out correct information, right? Talk about it in schools, you know? Talk about it. There's, it gets to a point where it's just too late to have the conversation, technically. As people are already doing whatever they're doing, you know? So it's just like, talk to people. Because there's that point where boys and girls will play together and have fun. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, baby, you remind me of a Jeep. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? People are creating playlists, right? People are looking people in completely different ways. Their body is changing. You know what I mean? You got to give it a minute before you stand up, right? There's all of them things start to happen, people. So address these things at that stage, right? Even before that stage, before that happens. Right, puberty hits when you're, I don't even know, because it hits at different times for different people, right? So you just take, maybe take the average age and start talking about it in schools, right? So people aren't just having crazy unprotected sex all over the spot, right? Talk about the effect that abortions will have on the body because you do look you know the right the abortions can fuck you up right now probably not one or two right but there's the odd people where one or two could but there's there's a number right there is a point Right, like I don't think that anyone's like going, Hey, just having my 50th abortion, Whew, all is good, right? I, I, I'm uh still looking to have kids, not quite yet, though. I ain't met the right person, you know. I that that's probably gonna be a problem for your system, right? So, explain these situations, right? Put out content, you know, if people are finding these other videos on TikTok, Twitter, well, X, Instagram, Facebook, all of them things, you put out information to counter those stupidnesses on those same platforms. Make it readily available, right? Don't hide, because that's the problem. All of this stuff was hidden, right? You weren't having these conversations, in school, so it's just like, you know, it's just like, oh, I have no clue, you know, I think my brother's friend says that if you stand on your head after sex, <laughs> you're not getting pregnant, right, people would just say, you know what I mean, you just hear these mad stories, right, and that's what people will go by, so put the information out there, people, stop hiding, right, stop hiding, kids will find this out, Right, you've got 
computers in your pocket. You got computers on your fucking wrist now. You know what I'm saying? It's just like it is easy to discover things, to find porn. So make it easy to find out what the consequences of your actions could be, right? What the repercussions are. Make it easy to find it out, right? Don't add judgment to it. Just put the information out. Put the information out and it will solve a lot of issues, right? Informing kids will solve a lot of issues, that's all you need to do, motherfuckers. It's fucking not difficult. You know what I mean? It's not difficult. So just do that. Stop blaming social media and do a good job about informing people. Well, I think this is a clear indication of how full of bullshit politics is, right, because, whoo, the, um, the hill, right, the capital in, uh, in the US are claiming that Mitch McConnell is A-OK, <laughs> right, homie has frozen in front of carrot cameras, Right in front of press conferences two times in recent weeks, right? The 26th of July and the 30th of August. Now, that's on camera. You wonder how many times has my man done it where there's been no cameras, right? Where it's been in rooms where you can police what leaves that room? How many times has that gone down? But, yeah. <laughs> the um, Capitol's attending physician, Brian Monaghan, has said that there is no evidence that McConnell has a seizure disorder, experienced a stroke, or a movement disorder such as Parkinson's. Right. They say that he's been evaluated by a number of neurologists and he is absolutely fine. That's what they're saying. Now, <laughs> clearly, he is not absolutely fine. Right. Firstly, he's 81 years old. He was born in February 1942. Right? He's 81 years old. How many people, right? How many people, when you look at your grandparents, right, that you think, I would let my grandparent stand in front of millions of people and talk and be confident that they will not ramble <laughs> That they will not forget anything, that they will be able, just be able to do it. Right? How many of you have confidence that your grandparent could do that shit? I bet if you're honest, none of you. Right? 
I, you know, maybe there's one percent that you think, oh, mine are cognitive. I, I mean, you look at people like Mick Jagger, right? He's in his eighties, I think, or is he in his seventies? Is he's an old fuck, right? But he jumps around the stage. He sings. Right? He does long ass concerts. But Mick Jagger is an outlier. There are not a lot of people that stay as healthy as Mick fucking Jagger, right? I mean, he's the same age as Biden, and you can see there is a clear difference in those two motherfuckers. So the fact that McConnell is still doing, like, he's the head of the um, GDP, GOP, right? Why have you got him in that position? Right? That's the big thing. Clearly, you need to replace him, right? There should be a policy that when it gets to a certain age, you can't hold certain positions because there is a clear decline. There's a clear decline, you know? It's like, now, I might be wrong here because I do not drive for obvious reasons. But I do believe that when you hit a certain age, you have to get, like, regular tests to show that you're capable of driving. So if that's the case, and I think it's something like, when you get to 65, I think then you have to have regular tests, right? So you think if that's the case, then surely there should be a similar thing for anything else. You know what I mean? There's, yeah, McConnell, he might, he might not have had a seizure, right? He might not have had a stroke. But even if he hasn't, there's clearly something wrong, Right? Normal people do not freeze. <laughs> they do not freeze. You know what I mean? Like, it, that's not a normal thing. So he's, he's, there is clearly something wrong. But the other thing with that, can we even trust these neurologists, these doctors? Because, you know, we had a whole heap of people that claimed that, you know, Hunter Biden had not, you know, lost your laptop, that it was Russian disinformation. There were former states of security making those claims. And we know how true all of that shit was, right? So we know these people lie, right? They will put out false narratives. So when we know this is a fact, can you believe that their doctors are going to tell you the truth? Like, does anyone just, anyone with a fucking heart or a soul would go, Mitch, man, go into retirement and be happy, right? You can guarantee he's got a serious, right, redundancy package that he's sitting on 
a good chunk of money as it is. Why is he even in that position? Right? So any normal person would be like, yo, Mitch, it's time to go. So the fact that they still want him in that position is suspect as fuck, right? It's suspect. So I don't know if any of these claims, if we can, you know, if we can pay them any real serious, serious heedance, because it seems to me that the hill is full of shit, right? And Mitch McConnell is definitely not a... Yo, so let's go out on this, right? And this, this is an interesting one because Sean Combs, a.k.a. P. Diddy, a.k.a. Diddy, a.k.a. Brother Love, right? I swear that was another one of his, uh, you know what I mean? But, yo, you know what I mean? The CEO of Bad Boy Records has announced that he is giving back the recording rights to a number of his artists, right? People like Mace, Faith Evans, 112, The Locks, and the estate of um, Biggie have all been given back their rights. Now, supposedly, there's other people who he's looking to give rights back to, but he's having issues getting hold of them, supposedly. That's what we're being told. And, yeah, that's very interesting because we do not see this happening a lot. Right? There's been occasions where people have got back their stuff, like prints, but only after you know, basically going on strike and recording under the symbol for a good chunk of time, right, that he got the rights to his shit back. Yeah, so, yeah, it's not something that happens a lot. So it you definitely have to be like, this is a good thing, right? It coincides with the 30th anniversary of Bad Boy, right? that, um, you know, was formed in the 90s, right, in 93 to be exact, for, you know, 30 years, right, but supposedly, right, this didn't just happen, it, the process started in 2021, you know, but it all stems from a speech that he made at a pre-Grammy gala, Right, where he was talking about black excellence and the fact that you know the Grammys hadn't ever really represented black music, you know, which you know, fair, but you know, what I mean, like, I think when people make statements like this. You have to look at what you've been doing as well. And so it was pointed out by Mace that Puffy has not been the best 
when it comes to you know respecting his artists you know and and may said that he had tried to buy his rights back but was denied you know so it's interesting you know because you have to say right it's all good it's good he's giving back the rights now but why now right why now? Why not earlier? Because, you know, this, and, uh, you know, I'm saying earlier in 2021, when this whole process started, why has it taken 30 years? Because there's been so much discussion around music rights for a long last time, right? The, the, the whole situation with De La Soul not being on streaming. They came on streaming this year, but that has been going on for years, right? We've had countless artists struggling with labels to get releases, to get their rights back. I mean, the the, the locks, you know, that, the whole free the locks thing, that happened years back, right? So you, the question is, why now, right? And... He may be returning their uh, their royalties now, right? But how much money has he made from these artists? You know, it it's like with museums giving back stuff that was stolen from you know countries all over the world, right? There's supposedly a few museums have decided to return items, but you ask yourself, okay. But how much money have you made from those things, right? Should, are you giving the countries receipts, right? Are you giving them checks as well as their items back? No. And so that's the question here, right? It's all well and good giving back the musical rights. That's great. But how much money did you make? from all of that stuff, and, you know, when, like, these songs are old, are a lot of these songs, like, things that still get played? Mm, not really, right, there's, I mean, Biggie's stuff, yeah, there's, a, there's definitely Biggie stuff that will get played still, and 112 had some joints, right, but, Mace Faith, I don't know, right? It's not stuff getting played all over the shop. So how much money will they actually get, you know, now their rights are returned? I don't know. I don't know. But it's curious, right? It's curious the fact that it's happening now. So it's all good. But the question is, why, right? Why now, Puff? Why now? Okay, people. So we're going to start things off with a look at the After Party Season 2. Right? Apple TV, baby. Well, people, the After Party Season 2 is just about to finish, right? So, um, yeah, I am bringing you 
my thoughts on the series as a whole, but do not worry, I will not spoil the ending, okay? So, uh, yes. Now, the after party, right? It, it was created by Christopher Miller, you know, Lord and Miller fame. Season one dropped in uh, January 2022. That's last year, you know, and oh my gosh, it was so frigging funny. So funny and great, enjoyable, right? It, it took the whole murder mystery genre and gave it a fun little twist. You know what I mean? We've all seen the whodunits and that kind of thing. But I think sometimes this stuff can get a little stale, you know? So when someone brings a fresh take, that's golden, right? And this was a fresh take. You know, every episode had a different style, right? A, a, a different uh, visual style. You know, there was an animated one, like different tones, just, yeah. There was a musical episode, which was, oh my God, that was so good. It was so good. Man, it was great, right? And the characters, you enjoyed the characters, you know? So when you then discovered and making a season two, there's a part of me that was like, awesome. Yo, I, I, I you know, season one was so great, awesome. But then another part of you is like, ooh. How will this be, though? Right? Is there, you know, because when watching it, you could definitely think of how you could continue this story, right? And especially when you have people like Urquiporo, um, Benoit from uh, Glass Onion, right? And we've seen how that was continued. So you can, you, you know what I mean? You've got these franchises built around a detective, Sherlock Holmes. Miss Marple, you know, I mean, there's so many. So you think, okay, we can take Dan Danners and put her in a different setting, have her solve a different case, right? How will we do it? But it's like, it's it has to be good because the first was so fucking good, right? So this one has to be golden, right? Uh, now, we have 10 episodes, you know, episode one is called Anik 2, the sequel. It is directed by Erica Powell, written by Christopher Miller and Anthony King. Episode two, Grace, directed by Anu Valia, written by Rachel Smith. Three is called Travis Miller. Back directing Mike Rosalio writes episode four is Hannah. Um, Anuvilia is directing again Nicole Delaney writing duties. 
Then we have Sebastian. That's episode five. Vilia is, you know, back on directing duties. The Shipley brothers um, handle the writing. Danner's Fire is episode six, directed by Tamara Davis, written by Anthony King and Christopher Miller. For episode seven, this one is called Ulysses, and it is directed by Peter Atencio. Um, I think he was behind the machine, right? I think so. Uh, Brenda, Brenda Hoish writes. Episode eight is Feng, Erica Pell, and the Shipley Brothers. Episode nine is Isabel. Right, this one is um, directed by Miller, who also writes along with Anna Lockhart and Katie Miller. And episode eight, right, is Zoe and Vivian. And this one is directed by. Oh. Who directs this one again? Uh, Tamara Davis. And it is written by Christopher Miller and the Shipley Brothers. So, yes, that's all of that. Right. Now, other people doing stuff. We've got Michael Cedar. Um. Aubrey Davis Lee, Annie Court, uh, Nicole Delaney. They produce executive producing. We have got Christopher Miller, Phil Lord, and Anthony King. All right, music. Is David Schwitzer and Daniel Pemberton. Uh, Ross Rake is on cinematography. Um, Ivan Victor, Mauricia Muller, and Nick Olaf edit the piece. The casting, we've got. Jenny McCarthy and Nicole Abelare. Um, art direction is Sita Legidrich. Uh, set decoration is Kathleen Wood. Uh, costume design, we've got Meredith Markworth Pulak. And the cast. Mm -mm -mm. Okay, so we have got obviously people, um, you know, our returning characters of Sam Richardson as Anique Adige and Zoe Chow as Zoe Zhu. Right. Detective Dana is back, played by Tiffany Haddish. 
joining this time around, right, we've got Zoe's sister, um, who is Grace, played by Poppy Lou, right? There is Zoe's dad, Feng Zhu, played by Ken Hyong, and her mum, Vivian Zhu, played by Vivian Wu. We have got Grace's husband, Edgar D. Minnows, played by Zach Woods. There is Zach's mother, Isabel Minnows, played by Elizabeth Perkins. We've got um, Zach's sister, adopted sister, Hannah, played by Anna Conkle. We have got um, Zach's business, sorry, Edgar's business partner, Sebastian R. Drapewood, played by Jack Whitehall. Uh, we've got a past love of Grace, played by Trav called Travis Gladrise, played by Paul Waterhauser. And Grace and Zoe's uncle, Ulysses, played by John Chow. Also, um, who else did we have? Oh, yes, Sebastian's cousins, Judson, played by Will Greenberg. And Jackson, played by John Green. John Jemberley, Jemberling, Jemberling, yes. There is Kyla, who is Feng's videographer, played by Zach Cauldron. And then there is um, an aunt of Grace and Zoe called Jade, sorry, called, called Ruth, played by Jade Wu. Okay. Now, the gist of the story um it is okay so um ba -ba 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 okay so what's it say here the after party explores a different character's account of one fateful evening all towed through the lens of popular film genres and unique visual styles to match the storyteller's perspective. In season two, a wedding is ruined when the groom is murdered and every guest is a suspect. Detective Dana returns to help Anik and Zoe solve whodunit by questioning family members star-crossed lovers and business partners and hearing each suspect's retelling of the weekend, each with their own unique perspective and visual style. <laughs> so yes, that is how this one goes down, people. It is, it's interesting. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, like, as I said, there's a lot to live up to, you know? It's a lot to live up to. And you're wondering, like, how is this going to go, right? And 
I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, I, it's okay. It's okay. But I think I don't, well, I mean, all right, people, let's be honest. I didn't really enjoy it as anywhere near as much as I enjoyed season one, you know? Because I thought season one was so fresh and funny. Season two, right, it, it starts off, because, you know, just look at the title, A Neat to the Sequel. And so it's playing on the fact that, you know, they're it's a continuation, kind of, right? And it's just like, oh, my God, it's a sequel, right? But it's... It's kind of meant to be like a slapstick comedy, right? That's the kind of vibe of this th that episode style of filming. But it was it just felt a little bit too forced in a lot of the things that go down, right? Because we've got Anique meeting Zoe's mum and dad for the first time. So you, I mean, you know how that's then going to go. Right. And it like I kind of feel it'd be better if it went a different direction. But everything plays into the things which you're expecting. You know what I mean? So that that was the whole big thing with uh, the first episode. Now, the way um, like, you know, we have characters coming back back in, the way Dana comes back in, that's not a bad way, right, all of that, I'm thinking, okay, that works, that's fine, but you've got things like um, Edgar, he's got a pet lizard, right, that, I mean, I've never met someone with a lizard like that, so it's just trying to be overly quirky, you know? Now, things get more interesting with episode two, Grace. Now, here, everything is told as kind of like a Pride and Prejudiced style story, right? So I'm like, okay, because as I said, season one, we had different visual styles, Season two, along with visual styles, right, we also get genre shifts. Now, that's fun. That is very interesting to me. You know, so I was like, oh, we're doing the whole Regency thing, which definitely works for the character of Grace and Edgar. You know, that fits perfectly. So that was interesting. But that's then when we meet Travis. Right, who again? It's a buffoonery, a buffoonery, a buffoon. Well, yes, he's a buffoon, but uh, over the top kind of character, you know. So there is that aspect to it, which kind of gets like as the story goes on, Travis just becomes irritated. You know, um, he does then get his own episode in episode three, right? Which now we're a, a crime noir 
style, which is, you know, it's, it's fine, but it doesn't, I didn't really feel as crime noir, right? They hit some black and white and, you know, but I don't know. I've, it's, it felt crime noir light, you know what I mean? That's the kind of, yeah, because he's just a buffoon. <laughs> you know, he's just fucking, I hated Travis, man. Grr. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, now, episode four, Hannah, that was, that got different as well, because it's a, um, a Wes Anderson vibe, right? Which is interesting, because we get genres, and it's interesting because I think as soon as you see it, you go, where's Anderson, right? Which is like, when you think about it, how many direct, I mean, I was going to say, how many directors have got a distinct visual style? A few, a good few. It's just like, God damn you, stop it. <laughs> yes, no, a few directors have got distinct visual styles. Yes, yes, they do. But, I mean, Wes Anderson is so distinctively Wes Anderson. It's like, you just have to see a little bit and you go, Wes Anderson. You know, like, people like Michael Bay, there's signatures. You know, like the flyover and everyone looking up and the circle around. Like, there's certain things that Bay does. But you, you look at, the you know, certain set pieces which show you it's Bay. Right, but Wes Anderson, just in every fabric of what you're seeing, you go, that's Wes Anderson. You know what I mean? Um, yes. So I thought that was interesting. And it also gives you this uh like a coming of age type thing. You know what I mean? Characters discovering who they really are, right? And it also froze a, a little kind of ooh, you know what I mean, into the story. So who you think might be the murderer? Episode four definitely um, puts the cat amongst the pigeons, as it were, people, as it were. Episode five, we have Sebastian. Right, which is a, um, I mean, like, this one's kind of like a heist movie, you know? But we get a horrible, horrible accent in this one. Oh, my God, it's so fucking bad. But there's, throughout... There's something that's going on with Sebastian that everyone knows, but isn't called out, which is very bizarre. But you'd kind of think, hold on, isn't that going to fuck every... Like, but no one calls it, which I don't understand. You know, it was rather baffling, ain't going to lie. Okay, so episode six. Now, this is Dana's 
um, fire. And this one is <laughs> like, um, you know, think nine and a half weeks, right? But there was a film, was it um, Naked Gun? I think it was Naked Gun, the sequel that did the whole play on uh, nine and a half weeks. And that's what Dana's Fire is, right? It, it's that is nine and a half weeks, but you know what I mean? Played up. But it, it you know, you, you know what happened, like the whole story plot, you're like, um, I think I know who did this. <laughs> but it's it's good. I did like that episode. That episode was fun. I mean, there's something with mustard, which I'm just like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? That's not yo. But yeah, the rest of it was uh the rest of it was interesting. The rest of it was interesting. Um and again, it, we we do get some more kind of stuff with the uh, story. So episode seven, Ulysses, again, this one really shakes things up, you know, once more. And we get this big love story, right? That's what this is, this love revenge story. So that's, uh, that was interesting. And it, you know, makes you look at certain characters in a very different way. Episode A is Feng. And this one, hmm, what did I say episode eight was? Oh, yes. Episode eight is like, it's the comedy, but it's that comedy of, you know, the loser trying to win. That's what this one felt like, you know, which was which was fine. But it definitely felt like that red herring. Right. That was the big thing with that. Now we get to episode nine, Isabel, which this one is. Um, what did I say? can't remember what I said with this one. It's like, oh, yes, it's like Psycho. Episode nine is shot like Psycho. It It's fine, but it doesn't really work. It doesn't really work because you know what's coming. Right? You you know, okay, we've got one more episode to go, so this can't be the thing. Right? It, it definitely can't be the thing. So that's the that was the only issue with episode nine. Episode 10. Episode 10 was fine, right? We um yeah, it, it's the tie-up episode. So it is, you know, you think house, right? At the very end, when they think there's something, and then at the last minute, they realize it's something else. 
that's that that's what this is right it, it's your big payoff and it is like it's fine but i think there's still stuff that you're just like but what about that you know what about that it was a little bit too neat to some extent right that was my thing with this. Now, I do think that the after party was on a lose-lose, right? Because, you know, even like if this was season one, it might, you might think it's better than what it is, you know? So it had that. It, it's just like, it couldn't just be okay or good. It had to be awesome. And that's kind of difficult. It's, it's kind of difficult when you lock yourself into a formula, right? Which, you know, we have here. And we've seen it with so many things. Like I mentioned house, right? House was fun. But then you realize, right, it's impossible case. No one's taking it until house does. Then you've got everyone bickering, bum, bum, bum. He thinks he's solved it. And then at the last minute, something goes wrong until he then realizes, actually, this is it. And then he wins, right? So it went like that for a few seasons until they were like, actually, let's have some people die. So then they did that. And then towards the very end, they tried to shift it up a bit more. But it was all very formulaic. Right. When you look at stuff like and I use this all the time. Highlander one was awesome. We won't even mention Highlander two. Right. Highlander three was Highlander one, but just not as good. And I think that's what we get here. It's Highlander one, but not so good. Right. Think season two of 24. When 24 hit very unique. We hadn't seen that before. It was great. Season two, it, it just kind of just felt like we were doing the same thing. You know, and there was a lot of situations where it looked like it could have been sold there, but for whatever reason, it was just like, oh, actually my, my toe hurts, so I'm not going to run and grab the guy. You know, it's like, boy, what are you talking about? Go get the motherfucker, right? It, it was that, you know? So it was very like, huh? What are we doing, motherfuckers? So that, yeah, that's what I think with After Party. You know, there was some interesting stuff. Like, um, what was it? It was episode four that we get some claymation kind of animation in that. Which actually was a bit like Isle of Dogs, you know, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Isle of Dogs, right? It was it was kind of reminiscent of that, which fits into the Wes Anderson thing too, right? So we get these, you know, interesting kind of components. And I think another big thing about this, which was interesting, was when you're getting each character's re retelling of events. We also 
not just the genre changes and the visual style change, but the the costumes change, right? There's in season one, you're retell everyone's retelling what happened at Xavier's pad. So everyone's wearing exactly the same thing. And it's just, you know, this different scene from this angle. But with here, it's not just retelling, you know, the the wedding. It's, re, you know, there's so much stuff that's there. So we get to see, as it's over the course of a weekend, we see different days and different, you know, parts of the day rather than just this one kind of thing. But then we're also getting, like, this character's backstory and just all of this other stuff, which does differentiate things. But when we're getting retellings of the actual wedding, right, we have people in different clothes, right, which then does make you go, okay, that person said that this happened, or that person mentioned that, but that person didn't mention that. Hmm. Who's telling the truth? Right? So then it's just up to you to go, actually, I like this character, or that character seems squirrely. I'm not sure I believe. So I think that's an interesting thing they've added, you know? But yeah, it just doesn't quite doesn't quite mash to me you know it was fine it was fine and episode 10 does end in a way where you could go okay I can see how they could spin this off for a season three but I hope if they do do season three we get a shift in the format right just to you know to bring spice back to it you know, I think that would be very good. But yes, that's my take on After Party Season 2, people. Now, what did you think? How did you think this fares to Season 1? And who was your favorite character? Like me, did you find Travis irritating? Hmm? You know what I mean? Who did you like? Let me know, people. All right? Peace. Yo, so now, people, we are taking the, a look at a brand new Apple TV series. It is called The Changeling. And, uh, yo, <laughs> people, this one was really motherfucking good. So let's get into it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, right? Thanks to the great people at DDA and Apple, I have been able to check out The Changeling, right? The new eight-part TV series. It is written by Kelly Marcel, and episode one is directed by Melina Matasukas. Right. It is produced. Um, well, it's all executive produced, it seems. So um Marcel and Masukas executive produce along with 
Ali Krug, Sue Neagle, Lakeith Stanfield, Jonathan Van Tulican, Patrick Chu, David Conla, and Megan Ellison. It is co-executive produced by Kalia Neal, um, David Walkis, and line produced by Perry Creedon and Andrew G. Monroe. So Dan Deacon handles the music, um, cinematography. We have got Steve Cussons, Christopher Knorr, and Marcel Rev. Right, it's edited by Jeff Ashenhurst, Jonathan Egan, and Jaime Na. Casting: Brett Howe, Mary Venu, Jason Knight, and Christine Krumer. Uh, production design, we've got Lester Cohen, art decoration, Jasmine Chow, Nicole Eckenrod, and J. Ryan Halpenny. Right, set decoration, we have Gabrielle Lamb, Kendall Anderson, and Paige Mitchell. Costume design, Anne Crabtree. And, uh, yeah, the, the cast. Well, we have got uh, Lillian Kagwa, played by Adina Porter. And a younger version is played by Alexis Lauder. Right? We recently just saw her in Cop Show. Now, her husband is... Um, Brian West, played by Jared Abrahamson. Um, then we've got their their son Apollo, right? Played by Lakeith Stanfield. Now, his love, his wife Emma, is played by Clark Bacco. Uh, her sister is Kim. Played by Amira Van. Um, ooh, who else kind of is in episode one? Mm, I mean, we get glimpses of Brian's mum and dad. The, the mother is played by Deborah Rain, and his dad is played by Brian Patrick Murphy. Uh, hmm. Who else is there? Um, I think that's kind of, yeah. I think that's our, our main, the main people we come across in episode one, I believe, right? There's a few other kind of people floating around and all of this kind of thing, but yeah, they're, they're our main group of people, 
So, hmm. now this is very difficult, right? You don't want to give anything away, right? So the synopsis that one of them that you see around is set in an alternative New York City, a father and husband searches through a magical world for his abducted son and missing wife, right? Yeah, I mean, but you don't want to give too much away. Now, probably if you've seen the trailer, there's stuff in the trailer that probably alludes to that. Right now, there is definitely more, but yeah. Now, I thought this was fantastic, right? I've got all eight episodes, so I am so just all about going to check out what happens next oh boy now when this drops on the 8th you're getting three episodes right and then after that it's an episode a week until i think the last episode drops on the 13th of october i feel that's right it's at the start of october anyway so um yeah but this it is so compelling Oh, my days. It is so, like, it opens up with some creepiness. And we're also kind of, well, mm, creepiness maybe isn't the word. But it's very, it's like a fairy tale, you know? Which is, you know, something that they say about this, right? It's a, a fairy tale for grown-ups. Right? Oh, yeah. A um, what's it say? A parenthood fable and a perilous odyssey for a New York City you didn't know existed. Right, that's what it sold on Apple's site, and that's what the feeling you get at the start. Right, and we we are jumping between different timelines because we're following Apollo's parents. You know. Lillian and Brian, and then we follow um, Apollo and Emma, right? So it, it's this interesting look, and the the synergy between the two, right? There's something that Apollo's mum says and he says on their both on their uh, first dates, right? And you get a look at Emma, and so you know between all of these people, some of the connective tissue is trauma, right? But we don't know the extent, right? We don't really know the extent. We get, you know, the cliff notes, but no real detail. So it's just like, hmm. Now that's, you know, what we learn, not the best. But you know there's got to be more, right? But it's done in a way where you're not like, oh, come the fuck, come on. No, it's illogical that you wouldn't, they wouldn't go into it. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, the writing is very good on this. The writing is very good. Marcel has done an incredible job. Now, it is an adaptation of the book of the same name from Victor Laval, right? It came out in 2017. And, uh, you know, what I mean? 
I'm fat. I'm so fascinated in it. I'm like, oh, should I go and and do the book before I finish this? You know, but yeah, this is man. The the way the story unfolds is so good because a lot of times when we have things that jump between timelines and these different narratives, it can feel a little clunky, right? Or there's times when one narrative is more interesting than the rest of it. And you're just like, if only we could have just stayed in 77, you know? God damn, if only we could have stayed there. That was the best bit, right? Oh, fuck all this other shit. But no, everything is great, right? So we, we start in 66. Is it 66 or 68? Oh, 66 or 68, right? And it, it's how Brian meets Lillian, uh, which is similar to uh, Apollo and Emma. Right. And God damn, I am a sucker for a little romance, man. And yeah, I like that. I like the perseverance. The shit, good shit shouldn't come too easy. You know, I mean, it could come easy, but, you know, it like shouldn't expect things to fall into your hand. Right. The, the, the things that you want the most are worth fighting for, pursuing, and that's what we see, so that was nice, I like that, this, uh, you know, books are interwoven into this story as well, and I love literature, books are great, you know, so it's all very fascinating, it's all very fascinating, the conversations that these characters have, you know, we really get this kind of look into their psyche, into who they are, right? It's one episode. It's just over 47 minutes. But from that, we get a good, real good insight into these people. Now, you know there's going to be more, right? You know we have just tipped our toes into these people's lives. But it is fascinating fascinating, right? Apollo's having these nightmares, and we're seeing flashes of things, right? But the thing with that is, what is real and what isn't, right? Because it's dreams. Dreams and nightmares are always this, you know, hmm, elevated illustration, right? It is taken to the ninth degree. So there may be little echoes of truth, but then it's interwoven with this other stuff. So when we see this stuff that Apollo is dreaming about, you wonder, right? You wonder, be like, oh, what does this mean? What is true? I mean, that can't be true, right? Because that happens. So is that, like, could that be? What? So it's just, yes, yeah, real intriguing. It's real intriguing, you know? Like, there's a couple of things happen which you're just like, yo, 
yo, what are you doing? What are we doing here? Like, there's something that happens with Emma. Like, Apollo does something that you're just like, yo, son. Firstly, is that your place to be doing? Right? Because you just heard what was said. You just heard what was said, and you do that? Like, what, what, what's happening? What's happening? You know? And then some decisions, like getting in the underground. What What are we doing here? <laughs> what do we do? We know there's issues with the, these things. So why are you doing that? Like, what? You know, it's, oh, man. It's so good. It's so good. Like the 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 way it's lit, the to you know the costumes, just this vibe that we get. It's oh, it really jumps out at you. This really jumps out at you. I want to know more, right? I want to know more, man. It's uh, who was it now? Um, yes, Kim says something which is like you figure that must play into this story. Also, when she's telling Apollo, you're just like, Yo, son, surely you understand what's being said to you here, right? It is, it doesn't seem difficult. Surely you understand what is being said to you, you know what I mean? You're just like, Really. Homie don't get it? Really? What? <laughs> no, I I cannot wait. I cannot wait to find out how this unfolds. Oh, man. Because we don't get into all the nitty gritty. You know there's more stuff. Right? You know there's more stuff coming. So... You know, seven more episodes to go, people. Seven more episodes to go. Um, just so you are aware, the other directors involved, right? We have got Michael Francis Williams, who does an episode. Dana Gonzalez does an episode. And Jonathan Van Tulliken does four episodes. Hmm. Actually, right, because that equals seven. So someone else does another episode. That's the thing, man. Sometimes the listings for these things are pretty terrible, right? Um, but yeah, it is, boy, 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 boy. I think once you watch episode one, you are going to be all in on this, right? And as I said, Three episodes drop on the eighth, people. So, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you'll want to consume those. I'm sure you'll want to consume those. And, and this is... But this is why, with a lot of times, I have to wait until something is just about to finish before I get to it. Because I do not think I could wait weeks for this to unfold. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it is right now, right now, you know what I mean? From this first episode, 
This is one of the most compelling things I have seen on TV in a long time. Now, I've seen some good shows, right? I've seen some good shows. But this was something. This was something. Great performances, you know, great writing, cinematography, lighting, sound. Man, it's all there. It's all like no one dropped the ball on the acting front, I think. No one. Right? Even when we get our dancing crew, right? They still they all deliver. Right? It, it's oh people, watch it. I guarantee, I guarantee you will be digging this shit. You know? I think um ooh. Right, the the love stuff, it, you know, I think that fits in with things like uh, really love, you know. I, I would definitely say that fits in with stuff like that. And then, man, the uh, yeah, the oh, you know, like the the creepy. Or the mystical stuff. Man, that plays like... Uh, I don't even know. Right? You just think of some... One of those mystery joints. Right? Something that's just like, yo, what's happening here? You know what I mean? One of them ones. It's like they clone Tyrone kind of suspense, kind of like, hmm, how is this playing out? What, what's going on with this? Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, maybe those two uh, work well as, uh, you know, uh, analogies for um, what we're going to see, right? Something like that. Or, you know, the, the sun, right? Or that shudder flick. You know, like, it, 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 it's it's one of those. It's, it's leaving you thinking, what else is happening? What else is going on? Man, where is this taking us? You know, so I highly, highly recommend you checking out The Changeling. Episode one is fire. So I imagine the rest is going to be great. And people... What I will do is I'm going to check out all the other episodes, you know, and drop my final thoughts just before episode eight comes out. And of course, I won't spoil the ending, right? I'll give you a little flavor, but I'll go into episode two to seven. So that's what I will do, people. But yes, definitely. It's on Apple TV. And, uh, yeah, if you don't have it, I would definitely check this out. I would definitely check this out. Or go around your friend's house who has it. Watch the first episode. And that will probably compel you to, uh, you know, subscribe to Apple. Because, boy, and there's some fun other shit to watch. There's a whole heap of other good shit to watch there. So, yeah, the changeling people. Well, I mean, it's just called The Changeling, um, you know, The Changeling.
people. Check it. Enjoy. Peace. Yo, so people, people, people. Right. Um, yeah, that's it. We are done for another week, right? Now, you might not agree with our take on the news, but hey, let me know how you're feeling it, right? Let me know what you're feeling. What do you think should be done with the voice referendum? Is Mitch McConnell fit to be the leader of the GOP, right? <laughs> Is social media the blame for abortions in, us, in Scotland, right? Get, let me know. Let me know. Now, the After Party Season 2 finishes on Apple TV today. And the Changeling starts on Friday the 8th, right? So, um, oh, three episodes drop on the 8th and then every week a new episode. So before the last episode comes out, we will hit you with our complete series views. So make sure you, uh, you know I mean, probably subscribe right that's the way that you will find this straight away subscribe to the pod you know subscribe to the youtube all of those fun things people but enjoy your watchings you know we got some fun things coming up you know especially from apple tv as well and um remember right because echo chamber will be dropping early on friday this week right so um until then people enjoy my fucking life right peace